the welcome desk at our YMCA has a little plastic box with slips of paper in it. And when you go in or coming out, you can take one or more with you. They have uh, scriptures, quotes, and jokes. Listen to the one I selected last week. Last night, I had a dream that I was swimming in an ocean of orange soda. Turns out, it was just a fantasy. Okay, here we go. We had some good laughs at home with that one. Orange, you glad I'm a pastor and not a comedian? You say, that's enough, Pastor Bob, stick to your day job. But one thing I do know, and I believe with all my heart, as we continue in our series from the Revelation, this series called People of Hope, is that heaven is real. Heaven is for real. God has promised it to us. And the apocalypse of Revelation gives us a glimpse of what it will be like. But Jesus said, in my Father's house has, there are many rooms or many mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, you, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, one of his disciples, said, Lord, we don't know the way. How do we know the way? And Jesus, he said, I'm the way. I can hear his comforting voice. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's promised a place for us, and he's preparing it for us. John's letter to the seven churches in Asia, known as Revelation, or in Greek, the Apocalypse, uh, he has revealed uh, these words to us as he's received them uh, from a, a vision from God. He was exiled on the island of Patmos by the Roman government because of his unrelenting faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and refusal to honor the Caesar as God. And in the midst of his exile, God instructed him to write the vision down and said, John, these words are trustworthy and they are true. This is no fantasy. And throughout John's letter, there's wonderful, apocalyptic, cryptic language filled with symbolism and creativity, an opportunity or an attempt to share God's message with persecuted believers around the Roman Empire. Not only the seven churches, but well beyond even to us today. And I believe 20, chapters 21 and 22 are John's attempt to describe the indescribable. It all points to this heavenly vision. And here there is wonderful, symbolic, beautiful language where John tries to describe the indescribable. Sometimes there just aren't adequate words, but we do our best to read them and understand and sing them. Have you ever been somewhere where you um, you're, you have your breath just taken away? Your, your breath is just 
taken away, and there aren't adequate words to describe what you see as indescribable. Several years, I think it was about five years ago, our family took a trip out to the southwest. I had been to the Grand Canyon in eighth grade, but had not been since, and my family had not been. And I can remember the three of us walking up to the edge of the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and my breath was just taken away. Indescribable. The sight of the vast canyon and its cascade of color and beauty, literally breathtaking. Some of you have been there and know exactly what I'm talking about. The next summer, we took a trip to Toronto, Canada to visit with Melanie's brother. Oh, there's there's the, the picture I'm getting ready to show you. And on the way back from Toronto, we visited Niagara Falls. And when we got there and stepped out onto the edge of the viewing area, it was breathtaking. The thundering of the falls, the mist, the rainbows that were almost continuous in the air around us as we looked at this marvel of God's creation. Breathtaking. Like the Grand Canyon. Do, does that slide come up? I don't know if it doesn't come up. We've had a few tech problems this morning in both services. And thank you, Sharon, for all you've done to help us to stay on track. But you can just imagine the Grand Canyon one. God's marvel. Indescribable. Listen to the way that John tries to describe the indescribable, the holy city of the new Jerusalem, this heavenly vision. Its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Twelve gates with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve foundations of the city's wall with the names of the twelve apostles, bridging the old and the new. Walls of jasper, the city of pure gold, pure as glass, the 12 foundations decorated with every kind of precious stone, jasper and emerald and sapphire and amethyst and more. The 12 gates were each made of one single pearl. Did I mention the street of gold like transparent glass? The most wonderful and reverent imagery that language can offer and still comes up short of what John is trying to communicate to us in this vision. Listen to what was present in his vision. God and the Lamb, both co-sovereign, the faithful, people from all nations whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, the kings of the earth who are acknowledging the sovereignty of God and the Lamb. God as light and the Lamb as the lamp. The river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God. The tree of life bearing 12 crops, fruit every month, its leaves for the healing of the nations. And the faithful servants serving in worship continuously for all eternity. These were present in the vision. Have you ever thought about what was absent? 
a temple. Nothing would come between God and the people. No building. God is present in such a way that no temple is necessary. There is nothing that hinders the relationship between God and his people. The sun, S-U-N, absent the moon, absent, no locked gates, no night, no fear, no insecurity, no evil, no unclean things, no sinful people, no falsehood, no more cursed or accursed. The old is gone and the new is come. And the saints will reign with God forever and the Lamb forever and ever and ever. This is the vision of heaven describing the indescribable. As the songwriter sings, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. As one commentator writes, John had promised the victorious Christians that they would share in this reign of God. He sees the future, this future eschatological, eschatological vision where God is saying, now it is fulfilled. But we understand this eschatological vision of what is to come is present in the life of the church in the here and in the now. Ushered in when Jesus was born, God incarnate, God in the flesh. What God would ultimately do initiated in his coming to earth as Jesus, where he suffered and died only to be raised to new life. The vision of heaven is that the heaven is a redeemed garden of Eden that God is actively at work in restoring and renewing all things, that one day God will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things is passed away. He's picking up language from the prophet Ezekiel, Daniel, and brings that imagery here, and it's beautiful for us to receive. But the question for us is this, but what about us? What about the meantime, the here and the now? Yes, this is a promise for the time that I am called home to be with God for all eternity. But what about the here and the now? What does it say to us? And I believe the key is found in the first part of the Lord's Prayer is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe this message in a, the apocalypse is picking up on the message of Jesus that we are called to carry out the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. That we are to imitate Jesus. And in so doing, we bring a little heaven to this broken earth, to places like Buffalo, and the Ukraine, and the food deserts in Richmond, Virginia. How does this happen? 
how can you and I bring a little heaven to this broken earth? I'd like to draw on two metaphors John reveals to us in his vision, the image of light and the image of the tree of life, light and tree. The light of God and of the Lamb, Jesus, render the darkness powerless, so there is no need for more night. There is no more night. In fact, there is no need for the sun nor the moon. The new creation will live within the light of the glory of God. As we understand from the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory of God, reminding us of how God led the people of Israel through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Reminding us of Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. In the first epistle to the churches, John wrote, and this is 1 John, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. God is light. 19th century Russian writer Leo Tolstoy, known for War and Peace, some of you students, and also for his influence on the likes of Gandhi, wrote of the difference between one who follows a list of external religious rules and regulations and one who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. And the language is in his time, so he uses the, the, the word man to refer to all people. So just understand that's the context. A man who professes an external law is a man who is standing in the light of a lamp which is attached to a post. He is standing in the light of this lamp as he, uh, he sees the light and he has no other place to go. Tolstoy says, a man who professes the teaching of Christ is like a man carrying a lamp before him on a more or less long pole. The light is always before him. It always incites him to follow it and continuously opens in front of him a new illuminated space which draws him on. The psalmist made all of that really short. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But there is more. Not only the metaphor of light, but that of tree. The tree of life is God's ultimate redemption. Because of the choice to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life and everything else in the Garden of Eden became off limits. Humans were banished from the garden. In heaven, though, all humanity that, has, all that humanity has lost because of the downward spiral of sin is reclaimed and transformed by the power of God's grace. 
There is no more a curse. Nothing separates God from God's people. The light of God and the tree of life offer us the possibility that heaven is not just a place where we know as Christians we will go when we finish our earthly race, but a reality that we can experience in the here and in the now. The light of God and the fruit of God's goodness remove our darkness and fill our spirit today. It does not stop with us just waiting for heaven. We are to spread a little heaven on this broken earth. Pastor Bob, how do we do that? I'd like to suggest two things, two ways that we can spread a little heaven on this earth. One, be the light. You and I can simply be the light. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You are the light of the world, speaking to the the followers of Jesus. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Be the light. Y'all remember singing this little light of mine when you were younger? Many of you do in vacation Bible school or in preschool or even sometimes Pastor Philippi has sung it in church. I'm not going to try to do that today, okay? But you know the song, Be the Light. This morning, as I was between services, our niece Olivia, who is on a trip to Guatemala, She's a PA student at University of South Carolina, and she went with a team of other PAs, physician's assistants from USC to Guatemala to serve this past week, making a tremendous difference. Olivia is a believer in Jesus, and she was able to bear light to the people there, and she sent me a picture, and I think we have it. It's not going to work? Okay. We tried, y'all, but... I'll show you all later. Uh, oh, there there it is right here. Uh, she w- is in the direct center of the bottom row, uh, just in front of the little puppy dog, all right? And she and I think 13 other PA students went down there. And what a, a joy it was to her to bring the light of the Lord uh, in that medical clinic where she and the rest of that team served this past week. So just one way that we can be the light. And the second thing, by the way, we've, we've got family uh, here from South Carolina for uh, Isabella's graduation, and Olivia's mom is right there. Tracy, you got to raise your hand. And her sister, Emma, all right, and my mom, Carol, in the middle there, and of course, you know Isabella graduating and then my sweet bride, Melanie, and then Melanie's mama, Margaret, is here too. And you can raise your hand too, Nana, thank you. So uh, I thought it was just a, a joy that this morning that Olivia texted me that picture. She's, she's getting ready to fly back home uh, today. They're, they're waiting as they travel. So what a blessing how you and I can be the light 
And then we bear fruit that lasts. Bear fruit. While on the Mount of Olives, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he reminded the disciples of the core of the gospel. He said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay one's life down for their friends. And then Jesus said this, John 15, starting in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. How can we reflect the light of Jesus bearing fruit that lasts? How can we be the light and bear fruit that lasts? I want to take you back to Galatians 5, where the Apostle Paul describes the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just one, kindness for our focus today. Be the light that bear the fruit of kindness. Out of these, would you and I seek to be his light and bear fruit by being kind to one another and kind to others. The Greek word kerestases from krestos means good or gracious or benevolent or virtuous or kind. The English word kind comes from the German word for child, kind. Perhaps you know it as part of kindergarten. Literally in the German, child's garden. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Maybe as we be his light and bear fruit, we can sow a garden that produces the fruit of kindness that reflects the light and love of Jesus. Perhaps the world will be a kinder place a kinder garden, no pun intended, a kinder garden that reflects the redeemed Eden that we will experience on that side. Listen to some benefits of being kind. Your blood pressure is lower. I'm serious. Go to randomactsofkindness.org and they talk about all of the health benefits of being kind to other people. We are happier when we are kind. We have more energy, live longer, and have more healthy emotional and mental wellness. So random acts of kindness, being his light, bearing fruit, can help us experience those things. And if it does that for us, imagine what it can do for others. Write a handwritten note or letter to someone. Compliment a server or clerk at a retail establishment. Let them know, you did a great job. Thank you for your customer service. Invite a new person to sit at your table at school. Prepare a meal for someone who has a need. Or better yet, bake a cake. Praise a local business online. Give them a good Google review. There are usually people only say stuff when there's negative, don't they? 
leave a generous tip to a server. And the last one, there's lots. Buy lemonade at a lemonade stand and see the joy it will bring you and the kid to the kids who are selling it in your neighborhood. May we become like little children whose love is like unto that of Jesus. May our light shine through the fruit of kindness for the healing of the nations. And as one writer says, the world will not believe and know that God sent Jesus because of our, our theology is true or because our doctrine is correct or because our liturgy is proper. The world will know and believe it when it sees Jesus in us. Be the light. Bear fruit.